Yo, hello everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of The Pixelists, where uh, we talk about games, movies, shows, nerdy things we enjoy. Hope everyone's doing well today, especially my co-host Blake there, and uh, I'm Will. How are you doing today, my friend? Hi, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It is Friday. Um, it's one of those weeks where I'm just like, dude, I am so tired. Like the week was just long and I'm assuming it was long for you because you're getting over some, uh, some COVID. Yeah, man. it has you been feeling a okay? long week. Um, I, it's kind of like a mild flu or a really bad cold. Uh, I think I'm on the tail end of it. So, you know, I've been better, but I, I can't complain too bad. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'm just, you know, even though it was a long week, it was definitely one of those feelings yesterday where I was like, it was right around midday and I was like, Ooh, it's critical role tonight, Yeah, which is a nice, you know, there's, there's some weeks where it's like Monday and you're like, Oh, I got to wait three days. And then there's other days we were like, pleasant surprise. We're here. It's yeah, Thursday. My we've dudes. already made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited to talk a little critical, critical role tonight. And I say tonight because we're recording this on Friday night. Um, and those of you watching, uh, excited to have you join us as we talk about the show and give some of our favorite theories and thoughts about it. So um, anything else you want to say? Just part of our intro before we dive in? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do know in advance that I'm going to be talking about a theory that I really like, um, which, by the way, for you guys watching, we're going to do it's it's probably going to be here in the next couple of episodes. We're going to do something like this or when it feels like we're at like a really nice like end of an arc. Um, we're going to do a video on our favorite theories. Uh, you guys have already been commenting and saying some really just insane theories. And one of them I'm going to mention tonight. And I know you've seen it too. We haven't talked about it, but I want to talk about it tonight. But um, if if you have a theory that you've already mentioned that you feel like is a really great theory and you feel like there's a good chance it might actually happen, go ahead and reshare it in the comments below. And we're going to do a video on our favorite theories. Um, we're going to shamelessly steal them from you and say that we came up with... No, just kidding. <laughs> no, we'll give you credit, all that stuff. Uh, but we'd just love to know y'all's favorite theories. Cause I think it'd be fun to do a video on like, Hey, here's some of the, the theories that people are ruminating on. Yeah. Um, anything you want to add to that? Um, not to that specifically, but you did trigger a couple of things I did want to mention really quick. Okay. So yeah, please hit us with your theories. And then something else we'd been tossing around was obviously we do a recap of every episode, but we were also thinking about doing like a broader recap, like, cause you know, as we get, you know, 50, a hundred episodes deep of this campaign, I'm sure some people would rather have like, okay, what happened in episodes one to 25 type of thing. So we've yeah. been talking about that. And um, what I'm getting at is what do you guys think would be a good like amount to do that? Should we do it every 10 episodes, every 25, you know, every 50? Um, if anybody has any insight on that, would love to hear your thoughts. And then yeah, I'm, I'm glad you ahead. said that, by the way, just because I've seen a couple of comments from people who've been like, hey, thanks for doing the video. I've started to kind of fall off a little bit. I haven't, I've missed an episode here or there. Totally understandable. It is a lot of content on a weekly basis. Um, so, yeah, definitely let Will and I know kind of what you guys envision for like a larger um, big picture recap for people who want to get caught up. What was your second thing you wanted to mention? Oh, and then the only other thing, which I don't think we talked about this last episode, but maybe we did. 
you know, I'm kind of out of it, but uh, Legend of Vox Machina comes out this month, and we're obviously going to talk about that when it happens, um, but we're trying to figure out what how we want to do that. I think they uh, released that they're going to do it in three episode batches, so it might make the most sense to like, you know, do uh, do an episode of the Pixelist for episodes one through three, or I don't know if some people would be like, no, like do it each episode individually, or I don't know. I mean, we we haven't even talked about this, so I didn't know what even your thoughts were on how we should do that. But I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I have no clue. We'll so let talk us about know it. in the comments if anyone has yeah, any, yeah. any yeah. thoughts on that. Uh, but okay. yeah, that's that's all I got. All right. So um, I think I'm taking the first half of the recap, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. what we said? All of a sudden, I had this moment of panic with you being like, "No, dude, you're taking you're taking the second half." I brought the sandwiches. The tickets, you got the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> tickets for the sandwiches, kind of moment. Yeah. So if you're just if you're just plugging into this video, uh, we'd like to do a recap of every episode. It's about 20, 25 minutes long. And we'd like to take that, cut it out as its own video for people who are just trying to know what happened in this episode. So if you're watching that video right now, down in the episode description, we have the whole breakdown of uh, our thoughts, favorite theories, all that stuff. Uh, again, it's down in the description of the episode below. But having said that, let's talk about what happened in episode 10 of campaign three of Critical Role. Now, if you remember, what happened uh, last week was Chetney found himself in Vali Dertrana, sort of this business commissioner uh, in that person's office, and overheard a conversation with Vali and a person by the name of Ira down some dark stair, a dark staircase that was behind a bookshelf. Uh, Volley came up and was looking for Chetney, who was invisible, and Chetney jumped out of a window to escape, and that's where the episode picks up. So the episode picks up with um, Chetney and just to, to quote uh, Travis doing his, you know, um, gnome run and Volley looks out the window and despite the invisibility is able to, I guess because of the rain, somewhat spot Chetney and jumps out the window and makes uh, his chase after Chetney. The party away actually sees this happening and everybody immediately is like, what do we do? What do we do? We got to help Chetney. Um, they have all sorts of ideas, but they also don't want to just, um, one, they don't want to kill uh, Volley, and two, they also don't want to implicate the entire group right. by helping Chetney. So what they eventually decide to do is um, Imogen actually approaches Volley, who, by the way, is trying to swipe at Chetney, who's dodging <laughs> these blade swipes. And cast calm emotions on him to try to calm him down and basically be like a person who's like out in the courtyard being like, oh, hey, Volley, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Uh, Volley fails the DC on this. And so calm emotions works. And Imogen's like, hey, like we were coming to see you. Like we left a note. Like, did you get it? And he's like, what? No, like I, I, I'm very busy. Like, what do you, what's going on? And um, Chetney then takes that moment to basically be like, I'm a spirit. Let me be free. <laughs> you know, I was killed in your office years ago, basically saying like, hey, I'm just a ghost that's in your office. And then Chetney like books it while invisible. And uh, Imogen plays off this and is like, what was that? Like, oh my gosh. And basically tricks Volley into believing that, hey, like, is this place haunted? Like, did you, did you know this place was haunted? And Volley's like, no, it's not haunted, but wait, is it haunted? 
Um, basically, ends up what happening is um, calms him down enough where he's just like, whatever, this was nuts. Um, I need to talk to some people and like figure out what the heck just happened tonight. So he makes his way away. Um, the situation is uh, defused. And the party meets back up with Chetney, who um, Chetney basically reveals all the things that um, he read in the journal about the night, Nightmare King, and also um, basically just informs him about Ira and says, hey, I think maybe Gurge might be down there. I think they might have Gurge. So the party's like, well, it's it, it, this is too hot a scene for us to like come back and break in, but a couple of great points are made of... If this person, if Ira or Vali are now aware that someone is aware of their operation, that they might move Gurge or reset up shop elsewhere. Sorry, I'm, I'm stifling a sneeze like mid <laughs> description here. <laughs> Let it out so, if you need to. So, so they're like, we just got to go tonight. Like, we got to go tonight. But Imogen and Ladna and Fern are like, oh, well, we can't go tonight. We have our date with Pretty. And they're like, <laughs> okay, well, fine. So here's what they decide to do. The three of them will go on their date with Pretty. Meanwhile, Dorian, Chetney, and um, uh, Orem will sort of case the place and see, uh, like what what the if there's any kind of like investigation going on or like more wardens or anything like that. Kind of get an idea of the best route to enter. And then Ashton's like, "Hey, if we're all splitting up, I this would be a good time to go follow up with that thing I said I needed to take care of by myself." with basically jh like now would be a good time to go do that mm. so they all split up um orem chetney and dorian uh they do end up sticking around the courtyard courtyard area and they notice like some wardens who are inspecting the area they actually notice a warden who seems to be um sort of like a more elite warden or like a head warden uh who it's like they're collecting evidence in the office and meanwhile uh they had earlier said, hey, whenever we want to meet back up at the Spire by Fire, we'll just use our sending stone. And Dorian had <laughs> actually mentioned like, oh, about that. I gave it to my brother. And um, a couple of the party members are like, ah, good oh. one. And he's like, no, but really. And Ashton's like, um, I'm not just mad. Or he says like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> but he's like, and I'm also mad or something like that. Um, but like while they're casing the joint, Orem's like, hey, man, like, I get it. It's your brother. Like, don't sweat it. It's no big deal. And then also, whenever they're done casing the place, um, Chetney's actually been hanging back at the gondola. And in talking with Chetney, Dorian basically says, like, hey, like, we're glad you're okay. Like, we wouldn't want something to happen to you. And he's like, well, why do you care? And he's like, well, because you're one of us now. Like, you're one of our friends. And this is a really important moment because it's like from this moment on that now Chetney, who's been really um, obstinate towards Dorian, he has like a tear in his eye. And then actually <laughs> later when they're talking later, he's like, you know, thanks friend. And like puts his hand like on Dorian's shoulder yeah. or maybe vice versa. I can't remember, but it's kind of a cool little bro moment that happens between the two of them. Um, over at the date with pretty, they arrive at the soot and swill and pretty's waiting for the three of them to show up. Uh, they come in and pretty immediately is like, see, and apparently had made a bets with everyone <laughs> at the tavern that they weren't really going to show up. So everyone like, you know, I guess showers him with money. Um, and oh, I forgot to mention that FCG also, he, he's been like, yeah, I don't know what a date is like. So he had offered to come and sort of chaperone. And they're like, yeah, come on. So he's there as well. Uh, the three ladies sit down with Pretty. He gives each of them a present. And um, it's like different vegetables that Pretty has like taken out <laughs> of the kitchen and sort yeah. of like carved or, you know, 
did a little art spin on it to make it kind of a cool thing. Like one of them's two pumpkins stacked stacked together. Um, one of them is a cauliflower that's been like cut in, into like a spiral, almost like a flower. Um, and then one's an artichoke that's like um, just a beautiful, fresh artichoke. Delicious. And um, yeah, so um, and then Lada, by the way, is like, oh, I didn't even realize we should give you a gift. And um, has a tankard basically full of trash and like chicken bones and like maggots. And <laughs> she's like, I hope this is okay. Um, but so they, they basically have their date. Um, and the whole time it's, you know, um, they're drinking together, they're talking and they eventually make their way over to, um, the, uh, what's the name of the, uh, the, uh, dreamscape theater, the dreamscape theater. Right. Cause they have their lifetime passes, um, yeah. which I, I won't spoil what happens after that. Um, <laughs> but they eventually do make their way over to there. And then uh, Ashton makes his way to the Lucent Spire, the one spire we haven't seen yet, but we know is like where the nobles reside, and makes his way up to this rainy house and uh, basically knocks on a door and a person answers it, an older, I think it was an elf, um, who Ashton basically says, uh, or knocks and says, hey, nobody's here. And if you remember the group that he ran with before, um, in his backstory, they were called the nobodies. Yeah. Um, and he's welcomed in. So that's the first half of the the show. Yeah. And uh, just picking right up there. Um, if I could find my spot. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, and, and as Ashton's walking in, there are these uh, two like sentry golems that are kind of like tracking his every movement. And um Gianna uh, Hexum, who we find this is her house, uh, the Hexum Manor, uh, greets him and basically, you know, starts eating cheese like a, you know, pompous person would. Yeah. And <laughs> cliche noble, for yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. And uh, she, she's basically like, uh, you know, I have an idea, something that may even be able to erase your debt if, if things go well. And uh, she basically, Ash, Ashen's like, okay, tell me more. And she basically reveals that uh, she has entered into this, like, wager, basically, with a colleague of hers, um, Avon Hydroga, who um, was making fun of her because apparently recently she was uh, robbed. Like, somebody broke into her house or something. We don't have the full context there, but she says uh, this Avon Hydroga person was, you know, taunting her for that, saying, like, no one could ever get through my defenses. And so thus this wager kind of came up between them, um, which is basically they're going to each try to steal something from the other. And like whoever wins, you know, gets a prize. Um, it's a so, rat race of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. John is like, I know you're running with a new crew. Uh, do you think your crew would be up for this type of job? Or do I need to like hire some some outside people to do this? And uh Ashton says, you know what, uh, we're kind of doing some things right now, but I, I think we could handle this. And um, he's like, I, I'm surprised, though, because I thought you were going to I thought you were calling me to this meeting because of uh, your your. Uh, what was it called your carriage or whatever it is that was robbed yeah. uh, with the initials J.H. on it, which we now know for certain that uh, this is the same J.H. Uh, and she's like, how would you know about that? And he's like, you know, I'm close to it. I have, you know, I, I don't reveal my sources, but 
Um, I do want you to know that the person you're after for that is not who you should be going after. And referring to Dorian's brother who has this $20,000 bounty on his head. And, um, but she's like, well, do you have any proof of this? And he's like, not yet. And so really not much else to go on there. Um, at least at this juncture, but he does let her know that, Hey, you know, for what it's worth, you're going after the wrong person there. Um, and she's like, yeah, well, I have more experienced people handling that. You know, what I want you for is this, is this wager thing. And she's like, um, if you guys accept, you'll have to travel to the heart more. And that is where all the details of this wager will be given. You know, that's where you'll be told like what you're trying to steal and yada, yada, yada. And there's a rival, uh, troop, if you will, that will be, I guess, attempting to steal something from Gianna. And we're told that uh, Mistress Isha Sabonis, I think is the name, is the one sponsoring the the rival uh, troop. And she's like, you know, if you guys do this, you'll be paid, of course, except for the party will be paid, of course, but you, Ashton, right. will not be paid, but his debt will more than likely be clear. Yeah. Um, so he's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll bring this information to my friends. And he's like, can I tell them about you? Or, and she's like, yeah, this is above the board. Like, feel free to tell them about me. And uh, he's like, okay, great. Um, but before he leaves, he asks if she knows anything about the Nightmare King. And unfortunately, she is not familiar with that name. Um, but then he does, Ashton does fill her in on uh, their recent goings on. So he fills her in about the... Um, the mimic at the theater and also their encounter with Vali. And she's like, Whoa, Whoa, y'all are messing with Vali. Like he's very, uh, well connected. Like you need to, you yeah, know, be careful. watch what you're doing. And, yeah. and Ashton says, you know, yeah, he's into some super dark shit. And she's like, Oh, what? And he's like, well, we don't know yet, but I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, Ashton then takes his leave and, uh, we then basically cut to the end of the date with pretty and the girls. Um, and fcg uh they're leaving the dreamscape theater and uh pretty is actually giving like a very detailed and thoughtful review of the show like he's much more <laughs> intelligent than i think a lot of us gave him credit for right and uh he he after he does that he basically stops and uh i think he i think he even kneels down to like get on their level and he's like you know ladies tonight was such an unexpected pleasure but we're just different people, you know? And it's like, it's not right. you, it's me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so he tells them it's not going to work out romantically, but he still wants to be friends. And uh, he cares for them deeply. He's invested in their happiness. And he's like, you know, when you do find that special someone, he's like, you know, come to the restaurant. I'd love to cook you guys a meal. Um, and then he takes his leave. Uh then he says he's going to go work on his novel oh, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Yeah. And uh, and then FCG and the girls talk a little bit about it. And, uh, you know, FCG is basically like, you know, it was kind of boring, but, you know, yeah. I learned <laughs> I learned a little bit. This date sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then basically they, that whole group heads back to the Spire by Fire, um, which is where everyone said they were going to meet up after they, you know, do their own things. Um, which during this time, uh, Dorian, Chetney, and Orem, like Blake mentioned, had kind of been scouting uh, Vali's office to see, you know, what the security level was and, um, you know, just see what if more, inf trying to get more information so they could make a solid plan. And basically the only thing they learn is that, um, 
in the morning, he's going to move all of his stuff and just basically not use that office anymore. Right. I forgot um, to mention that. Yeah. So then they, the three of them also head back to the Spire by Fire. And so now everyone's back and they're basically all filling each other in on, you know, their own events of the night. And um, Ashton lets everybody know about this job offer they have of, of this wager. And the party is interested, especially considering the connection with Dorian's brother and Gianna. They're like, you know, maybe if we do this job, we can kind of ingratiate ourselves with her and maybe get some heat off of uh, Cyrus. Um, but then the party asks, like, Ashton, what's your history with Gianna? And uh, he basically tells uh, them about his old crew, the nobodies, were on this mission um, to basically rob her. And they got caught. And, um, well, they didn't get caught, actually, but things went to shit. Uh, Ashton got really hurt, and everyone else skipped town. Uh, but because Ashton was hurt, you know, he was still in town. Gianna found out it was him, and basically, instead of turning him into the authorities, was like, hey, how about you just work off this debt for me? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the relationship started. And he also reveals that... Um, that is also how he got that big injury that starts on his head and kind of goes down his arm is when he was robbing Gianna in her house, he was up on a high floor and he says that the only thing he remembers is like a blast of magic energy hitting him. And then he like crashes through a window and fell. Um, and he says he, wo- he just woke up in uh, Milo's uh, off or not office, but Milo's place yeah, yeah. Like lab at, or whatever <clears throat> who had, just used whatever they could to uh, fix him. Because Milo is not a healer, doesn't have healing magic, but he, you know, they just use their tinkering skills. And that's why he's got like the glass and the gold that are uh, kind of patching him up. Um, and the party asks like, you know, are you mad at the, your old crew for, for leaving you like that? And uh, Ashton just says, you know, you know, I understand. Like I would have done the same thing. You know, if I see him again, might be a couple punches thrown, but then that'll be the end of it. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay. Um, so then they're like, uh, so this, this wager that Gianna wants to do, like hire us for, like, when is that? And he's like, well, it's not tonight. So we don't need to worry about that tonight. Like, let's focus on this, um, Gurge Chetney thing. So they're like, okay, yeah. What are we going to do about that? So they ultimately decide since everything's going to be moving in the morning, tonight is their best chance. And so they head back toward the moon tower to see if they can sneak back in there and go check out that, uh, that hidden room behind the bookcase that Chetney found. Um, so they make their way there and there's a few guards kind of roaming around the outside of this courtyard. Um, and one of them takes notice of this big group and he walks over and is like, yeah, what are you guys doing here? You guys, it's late. You guys need to go home. And they play it off by being like, oh, we heard there were like these ghost attacks earlier. Like some cursed spirits were out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they ask him, have have you ever like heard anything or seen anything like that? And uh, he says, you know what? Uh, A lot of nights I'm out here hearing voices. And he says that there was like a massacre or something around these parts like 35 years ago and thinks that like, you know, maybe some of those spirits were still lingering. And um, he's like, okay, but you guys need to go home. So he kind of like turns around and is continuing his patrol. And Ladna decides to cast silent image of like this ghost, like kind of appearing out of a wall, like grabbing for him. And uh, at the same time, she casts message 
<laughs> into his brain and just says like let me free and uh the guard actually rolls a natural one on this to discern <laughs> if it's an illusion so he freaks out like drops his spear and just books it out of there i think so, i think matt said he like leaves the tower entirely <laughs> like the the like the spire into like he leaves the district like yeah just he's leaves just leaving Drusar. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he leaves marquette he's out of there <laughs> so now that they've got like the coast at least the immediate coast is clear they um all jump over this wall and actually get inside of the courtyard where the moon tower is. And um, Orem's kind of taking point, trying to make sure that nobody gets seen. Uh, and it is still raining, and it's it's pitch black night as well, obviously. Um, and they do notice, uh, they can't like see guards, but they can see their magical torches that they are holding. So they can kind of see these lights like bobbing around different places. And um, basically they're just darting like from hedge to hedge trying to stay uh hidden and it, this actually reminded me of uh an ocarina of time <laughs> where you're like young link trying to break into the castle to see zelda yeah, yeah. i digress we anyway. won't tell you what happens there by the way <laughs> i'm just kidding oh <laughs> uh, spoiler alert so as they're diving between the hedges one of the guards actually comes up close to them it doesn't see them yet um, so Lana decides to basically do the same thing. She casts another illusion, this time of this like creepy little flower girl in all white. Um, who has, I think like, of the girl from the ring is basically yeah, what I envisioned. Yeah, exactly that I feel like was what she was going for. And like the, she has like voids for eyes and like the bottom half of her jaw was just like gone. Yeah, and, just, like, right. and so she has that creature kind of reach out toward this guard and he just passes out. <laughs> passes out immediately from fear um so now that they have this coast clear as well they make their way all the way to the moon tower sneak back up in through uh the broken window that chetney jumped out of and um all safely get into the office uh then chetney uh disarms a trap and quickly uh is able to throw the switch that opens the bookcase and uh he immediately goes in there and sees what he can see uh, or actually he's just seeing what he can hear and what he can notice from like the stop of the, uh, the top of the staircase. And he's told that he hears like this kind of gleeful humming, but also this like arcing of energy, like uh, pulsating kind of sporadically. Right. And so he's curious and he kind of takes a few more steps down just to see like the first things he can see. And um, he, he comes to this chamber that uh, we're told kind of looks like a set of holding cells and there's a big table in the center with a lot of like alchemical uh, reagents and stuff on it. Some boxes scattered about and also this like weird contraption that's about 10 feet tall and has got lots of like metal rods and is glowing blue. And also there is a, a tall humanoid figure that's like seven or eight feet tall that is uh, very thin and lithe and is wearing this long black coat with the many tails and they uh have like really elongated limbs and he's like creep he just looks like wrong how he's situated yeah. and um chetney can see that this person is the one humming and kind of going back and forth between these things and he's also holding i think some blue gem right um, yeah and uh Chetney then also hears another voice, which he recognizes to be Gurge. And Gurge is asking what this creepy figure, he's like, what the hell do you want with us, man? And this figure says that, you know, your gift needs to be shared with the world. Um, 
but I have more pressing matters to attend to right now. And they like kind of turn around and are walking back between this contraption and other things in the room. Um, so Chetney kind of fills in Imogen with what he's seeing telepathically. And uh, everyone's like, okay, what the hell? And so Chetney then goes further down since the figure has turned around and kind of walked away from him just to see even more what he can see when he goes into the room. Um, and when he does this, he can now see Gurge and he looks very rough and you know, this information is getting relayed. And so the rest of the party's like, okay, you know, like we're coming down too. And so as everyone starts to come down, um, the figure turns around and is like, oh, you know, I wasn't expecting guests, but tonight's just going to get more interesting. And since he turned around, we can see that he has no eyebrows and eyes with no irises, uh, no nose and a, a grin that Matt describes as like a jack-o'-lantern that stretches all the way to his ears. And uh, that's where the session ends. No big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, great job. Yeah, that's what happened in episode 10 of Campaign 3. And if you made it this far, you want to hear our reactions and you're watching just the recap video, again, click the link below and uh, we'll dive right in. So uh, having said that, my friend, we were back after a long, long wait. We already had a we already came back last week. Yeah, we're still back after a week, a long week to uh, another great episode. Um, what was your general reaction uh, to the episode? Um, I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, just because it, it was all the things that I love. We got a lot of uh, interesting information too. We found out a lot about Ashton that I'd been wondering about, and um really finally getting somewhere with uh this gurge situation as well and obviously who didn't love the whole pretty saga um and the date and i just loved pretty's characterization that i just i personally didn't see coming um with him being you know like pretty well spoken and uh thoughtful if might be a better choice of words there um but but i really liked it what about you yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I feel like an episode could be terrible and I'd be like, yeah, it was really good because um, I'm a shameless Critical Role fanboy. But um, I would definitely, out of the 10 episodes so far, I would probably put this one towards the lower end because of where it where it's fallen in the sense of there was a lot of momentum built in the last episode with Chetney escaping mm -hmm. and it, it felt like we were like moving towards something and it felt like this episode brought that energy back down again. Uh, now we ended and I want to talk about this. We ended with it right back up there. So I'm really excited for next episode. Um, but yeah, love the episode just in general. I was kind of like, like I'd seen some comments from people being like, yeah, I'm kind of losing interest or I haven't really stayed on top of it. And like, this would be the episode that I could, I could understand someone saying that mm -hmm. only because it, it great RP, great conversation, but a lot of like, just kind of um, filling air, I guess, like waiting for the next important story stroke, I guess. So again, love the episode. Great episode. Um, but definitely not my favorite episode. Yeah, so. that's totally fair. I, I actually had a feeling that a lot of people would feel that way, uh, especially cause like we're left on this, last week cliffhanger of which it wasn't like directly involving Gurge because you know Chetney was just trying to escape um and then that's basically where we are at the end of this week's episode so I could see some people like having a problem with you know maybe even calling this episode filler if you will um 
but I, I don't like view critical role in the same way as I would like a, like a TV show. Um, so to me, it's to me, I think of it as like, you know, it's not as if like, Oh man, they totally baited us. And now we're going to have to wait a whole nother week to get to this thing. We've been wanting to go to, uh, to me, it's like everything we got, like I was excited about, you know, I, I I'm word vomiting here, but, uh, yeah, it's like, I think, I think isolated. It's a good episode. I think, like you know the whole story with like uh the pretty date thing i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. i think it's just where for me it's just where it falls yeah yeah in, in the sense of you know there was so much that happened and transpired in the first like five episodes and so we knew there'd be a little bit of a slow burn and build up to like the next thing and so you know the dreamscape theater um you know searching for gurge like all of that was um um, a new direction that was interesting, but I think I think because of where we are now, I could see people just getting impatient of mm-hmm. like, which is why I say I think next week's going to be really awesome because it's you know you yeah, have a, this I mean, character who seems to be related to the Nightmare King um, is clearly holding Gurge right, so we can correctly probably assume that this person works for the Nightmare King since the journal said bring to the nightmare king right um and is also holding a blue crystal which the other blue material that we've seen has been broomstone and so might even be someone who's connected we might be connecting some story points in a meaningful way uh next episode yeah i think so i think it'll i think yeah i'm about to just repeat everything you and i both said but yes agreed (laughs) agreed Um, do you do you have the sense that i was trying to like process this like from like my like dm eyes which you have more experience than i do but i almost got the sense i'm totally probably reading into it but i almost got the sense that the party is a little out of their element It, it almost felt like um which Matt didn't overtly say like, no, you guys shouldn't do this tonight. Like you shouldn't, and nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But the party seemed really set on going back there despite, and I can't think of any specifics, but it's, it felt like there were a handful of things that didn't pan out in terms of like roles or ideas that they were like, okay, that's not going to work. And so it almost felt like they were really like stuck to this idea. But then the other thing that I was thinking of too is in approaching Ira, it there were some comments from matt on um hey like what's everyone doing to prepare yourself Mm -hmm. hey like anything else like you're not gonna have you're not gonna want to spend a round to do that yeah um you know hey fern are you gonna summon mr now or use it later like these kinds of things i don't know if i'm reading into it but sort of communicated to me that hey you're about to you're about to face a really challenging foe and maybe even Matt wasn't expecting this to happen so quickly. Because um, also don't forget either the party, they've used a lot of spell slots. They've used a lot of their resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of just word vomiting here. I don't know. What's, what's no, your reaction? No, yeah, I, I like that. I like everything you just said. And I, I think that is Matt kind of, you know, Matt's never going to be the type of DM that says, y'all, don't, you guys can't do this. Like, that's dumb. Like, you, no, like, don't do that. <laughs> Right. And so I think, I think those are his ways of kind of like giving them subtle warnings, you know, or like, Hey, like, you know, as opposed to being like, this encounter is going to be really hard. You guys, instead, he says, 
hey, you, would you guys want to cast anything? Like, do you want to get Mister out? I think that's just his DM style of like, kind of letting them know that they might be getting into something that's a little bit rough. Um, which I was thinking the same thing, like especially when Chetney originally went by himself to go check things out. I was like, oh god. I mean, I know they're all in the next room, but I was like, what is Travis doing? And I I kind of agree with you in the sense that like it seemed like they had a lot of reasons not to do this tonight, but it was a hundred percent Travis that was pushing for it. Anytime there was like any waffling on that fact, he was like, no, like I'm going to stay. And it's like earlier in the episode, he's like, no, I'm going to stay here. Even if it's by myself to see what happens here. And then like when they're in the spire by fire talking about plans, he's like, well, you know, we're just going to go in the office, press the button go in the bookcase. So I think he was the one that kind of really kept that train pushing forward and uh which which uh, uh, go ahead go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say uh, this is kind of a segue not really but one thing that uh we've been wondering about is like what's really going on with his story you know right. it seems like there's more than just he needs a job recommendation from this guy right and so a few of our commenters pointed out and i've seen this this theory now is that perhaps chetney is a werewolf or wear something and needs his gurge's help or assistance in that with some way so to me maybe that's why this has been so pressing and maybe that's why he was like we got to do this tonight is because chetney whatever the thing may be it like needs gurge for some reason yeah i love this theory this is what i was mentioning earlier on like i'm really excited to talk about this oh, okay nice. um l let me just read out a couple of these comments on our um on our last video um because a few different people actually all simultaneously mentioned this theory mm -hmm. Um, Aaron Ginsberg basically said, uh, which Aaron, thanks for commenting, uh, said, um, Chetney's rationale for meeting up with Gurge makes no sense, as you and the cast have pointed out. Surely someone in Wildmount could have used a carpenter, and he should need to move continents just to find work. <laughs> uh, it's plausible that there wouldn't be another werewolf to teach him how to control his powers in Wildmount. Um, Paul Savas or Savas said, perhaps they're both lycanthropes, and that's why Gurge and Chet are, Chetney are trying to meet. And then um, there was, oh, here we go. Ryan Weaver uh, mentions, uh, I like the theory that Chetney is a werewolf, um, explaining his 17 strength. Didn't hadn't looked mm. at the, his stats. So that was a great yeah, call. Yeah, I out. haven't really looked at that either. Um, remember, if you accept the curse, you don't suffer the uncontrollable full moon rampages. Uh, and D&D is trying to shy away from giving any group or particular alignment as a whole. Um, so three comments that as soon as I read those, I was like, man, that's a really interesting insight. Especially since the party has even picked up too, like, hey, there's something you're leaving out here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you could be totally right. I really like that. Yeah, so I, uh, circling it back around to, I think where we started with this was, uh, one, I think, chetney was the reason they were so focused on doing this tonight but two i do i just think that is matt's like dming style to to kind of warn them in those ways that you mentioned uh but i definitely am kind of worried about this encounter um because ira which i'm trying not to go off on too many tangents here but you said something that that made a connection for me a second ago i never even considered that ira was the nightmare king but i guess he he that's what you were saying, right? That he might be. No, oh. I was thinking it probably knows the Nightmare King or works for the Nightmare King. Oh, okay. I, I think it'd probably be a little too. It'd be too soon for this to be the Nightmare King. I think. Well, just the the. So I thought you were the one that said this, but I guess I just 
misunderstood but since that note did say like the nightmare king wants gurge and now ira is the one like experimenting on gurge i was like well maybe he is the nightmare king not that that is like a revelation or in a <gasps> moment or anything yeah, yeah. but i just previously thought they were two entities now i'm like maybe they're the same but they did mention like their patron which yeah maybe that's the nightmare king yeah and it seems like it seems like gurge is like a a side a side mission for ira in the sense of like mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe him and his underlings discovered gurge we know that gurge has a bit of a reputation um i'm just gonna call it the lower city um or like the lower cast and so you know maybe they they picked him up said yeah that'd be really interesting for future stuff but uh ira mentions hey that's gonna have to wait for now i have other things i'm working on uh, and that's also around the time where ira holds up the blue crystal which do is it safe to assume this is brimstone uh, that's my best guess but i don't know i mean that would kind of connect some dots, but I'm not It's another sure. crystal called Doomstone. <laughs> <laughs> also blue. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this, and I don't remember, I mean, he's been, the whole scene, he's, he's, you know, arcing on something, he's, he's tinkering with something. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a refined version of Broomstone. Um, I'm not sure, but. I mean, clearly, he's doing some weird experimenting down there. Like we're told that those, like there's alchemical supplies and there's that huge ass contraption thing that we don't know what it does. And he has a werewolf as one of his prisoners, which he, it seems like there's multiple prison cells down right. there. Now, if any of them have anyone else in it, we don't know, but to me, he's doing some crazy ass experiments and like maybe trying to, you know, combine a werewolf with something else or, you know, he says he wants to give Gurge's gift to the world, which to me clearly meaning your werewolfness. So I don't, maybe he's trying to like extract that and see if your he can like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like seeing if he your can beard is good. <laughs> weaponize it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, clearly he's up to some weird stuff, which this is kind of something we touched on last week is like where to, where to Ira's, machinations and and this grander conspiracy with the patron and with whatever volley is doing and with the broomstone and dugger like if this is you know where that begins um so i don't know you know he, he talked about like you know my you couldn't even comprehend the beauty of my plans or hit something you know to that extent yeah. last week so i just rambling here i have no answers but i'm just curious as to like what all fits into what here like, yeah. What what is Ira, by the way? Like the description, which Matt, I mean, <laughs> Matt Mercer is just the king of descriptions. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, I love the description of Ira, you know, so slender and lithe and like slender man-esque is kind of the envision mm -hmm. image yeah. I got. But then I love the comment where he said he sits on a stool that's a bit too low and sort of like sits with like his knees like up. Yeah. Um, and then like the like mutilated face, no nose, mm -hmm. no eyebrows, like voids for, for pupils, no lips, a mouth that's like carved up like a jack-o'-lantern up to his ears. Mm. Um, what, what is this? What, 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 what monster is this? What <laughs> race is this? Like yellow skin. I, I was, I don't know enough about D and D to be like yeah. my encyclopedia going off being like, Oh, that's either. a. Yeah. yeah, okay. I, I have no idea. And it might be uh like a like a homebrew creation, you know, may not even be a something from the books. Uh 
which I imagine there probably is at least something, if not completely homebrew, then something he took and kind of made his own. Um, Matt does that a lot, but yeah, I don't know. Did you ever play Little Nightmares? No, I don't think so. I, I kind of, for anyone that did, that's what this description kind of reminded me of is if you remember the guy that had like the really long arms and little nightmares, very creepy. And then of course, when he said no nose, Voldemort, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super creepy. Also very curious as to what it is. I mean, my best guess is some sort of like mutated, experimented based on it looks like he is doing experiments. Maybe he started by doing them to himself, or maybe he's still doing them to himself. Um, but an elf, since he mentioned that like he has really long elf-like ears, but they're like way longer than any elf he'd seen. Yeah. So maybe at one point he he was an elf, and just after whatever crazy mm. stuff he's gotten into, he's now this. Yeah, and I I've seen a couple of Reddit comments on like fan theories. Um, one of them, someone guessed, was a gith. If you're familiar with mm-hmm. with the GIF, mm-hmm. um, my only familiarity is with the, um, you know, the the alpha for Baldur's Gate three, where one of the one of the characters is a GIF. Um, definitely not grotesque like what we're seeing. Really, it's only the yellow skin and the the ears that are similar matches. And then someone else shared a monster, um, basically the. Uh, called a boogeyman that has that jack-o'-lantern style mouth but really nothing else lines up so it could be like you said some kind of homebrew um monster that he's cooked up or it could be a um mutated uh mutilated form of something we've seen before yeah i Um, like that git theory i hadn't thought about that but that that does kind of fit a few of the things we know Um, so that's interesting yeah. <clears throat> well, what's he up to? Hopefully, the party's going to be okay. Because um, I <laughs> yeah. also saw another Reddit comment where someone was like, "Oh, this is where Dorian leaves. He dies." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, geez. I hope that's not the case." Um, but yeah, so the party clearly. I, I wish I had um, like everyone's character sheets up in front of me, like to see like spell slots and stuff like that. But the party's going in. Uh, on near empty. I mean, um, Fern has one spell slot left. I think someone else mentioned they had one or just a couple of spell slots left. Um, well, Lana so, used a couple just as distractions to get there, you know? So she's at right. least fighting underhanded or not underhanded, right. shorthanded. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, and for all we know, like, this is an encounter that is uh, doable for them. And, you know, yeah, it might be difficult, but it's going to be fine. Or it could be like, you know, we kind of alluded to, like maybe they're in over their heads here, in which case I wonder what outs they might potentially have. I mean, I guess they could presumably just run and leave, <laughs> jump through that window again, if nothing else. Or if, um, like, I guess what I'm getting at is I wonder if not like a combat where they kill this thing, what are the other ending scenarios here? Like, d- it's just, even though we know nothing about this, it feels like it's too soon for it to die, in my opinion. Like, yeah, uh, you, think, you think we might get a enough and then, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, or like it just, it flees or something. Go uh, ahead and hire me, Blizzard. I'll write your next uh, big bad. <laughs> they could probably use you. Just stay uh, away from the corruption. Uh, 
<laughs> well, so yeah, I think they're going to break Gurge out. I mean, I think that's going to be, I think what's really great Ooh. about, um, about the critical role D and D team is they're really great at, um, you know, not the like traditional, I'm just going to cast Eldritch Blast every turn, but like mm -hmm. being creative with not just one, like not just combining um, their actions with other people, like building off what other people do, but also like being clever with the environment and just thinking oh, yeah. big picture, being tactical and strategic. So I think that Chetney or someone is going to try to break Gurge out mid combat. And that will be um, sort of like the saving grace for the combat where um, that's the wrong analogy, but no, like the, 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 you know, in case of, in case of emergency break glass type yeah, of situation, yeah. you know, so they're going to break him out and Matt will be playing Gurge. And now, now it's a lot more of a level playing field and a lot more doable. I agree with you. I don't, I don't quite see this character dying right off the bat. Um, but but maybe who knows? So yeah. I guess if he does die, then I would I I would hate to go back to Lord Esteros and be like, all right, what's the next mission for us? Like it, you know, we need we need to keep building somewhat um, towards a more narrower narrower focus. I think so. Yeah, which great point that I think you're 100 percent right. That I didn't even think about is they will absolutely can recruit Gurge for this fight, and there may be other prisoners that at least for the time being, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So uh, they could right. maybe even have a few allies for this fight if it gets a little, if it is, you know, deadly encounter or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with the other thing you said there. And I think even if they do kill him, I think there's obviously still a lot going on, even if, like, because there's this patron, there's whatever they've been setting up. Um, they need to meet with the anger still. We know that's happening, mm -hmm. presumably. Presumably in the next couple episodes, it's probably going to happen. I would yeah. guess so. Which, um, that that is kind of a good segue. But was there anything else we wanted to talk about with with Ira and? No, no, I don't think so. And anything? Uh, okay, yeah, I don't think so either. We'll come back, I guess, if we remember. But speaking of the anger, another theory that somebody posted on our last video was that this could the anger could be um, our first guest appearance, and maybe that's why Matt has been so deliberate with the timing of when this meeting can actually happen, which I love that idea. And I, I would be super stoked if that was the case. I think that would be a great way to kind of like subtly build up to this, this character we've been waiting to meet for forever. And then if like somebody walked in and sat down, that would just be awesome to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But did you, <laughs> did you happen to see that? Yeah. Yeah. This came from Eric, uh, glimmy glimmy or just glim. Yeah. Thank you. Um, said, I'm wondering if the anger may be a guest. Matt is keeping tight control on when they meet him. He's still recovering, maybe in a week. Uh, he yeah. may be delaying the anger until, uh, this was an interesting detail, maybe delaying the anger joining uh, until Robbie or Dorian leaves, which, I mean, that's, the win of that is going to be, you know, all sorts of tears. Because yeah. all I see nonstop is how much everyone loves Robbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For good reason. He's amazing. Right. Um, I love Robbie too, so... Which, speaking of Robbie, speaking of Dorian, I don't think that, like you just said, I think that anger's coming soon, you know, be it next week or, you know, in just the next few episodes, I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. I don't think Robbie's necessarily leaving that soon, so I don't really think that that's necessarily the case where they would... Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be too quick. Um, I think Robbie... I don't see Robbie dying. Uh, I think he's too... 
I mean, unless he just happens to die, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I think he's too loved a character, though, for it to be like an intentional death, as we saw with Bertrand. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. And I also only see Robbie leaving. The the neat and tidy storyline in my mind is him leaving one of two ways. Cyrus dies, um, maybe through uh, Artanavo. Um, Cyrus dies and Dorian sort of begrudgingly is like, I have to go home and take on this mantle of responsibility Yeah. or two, it gets so hot in Dressar for Cyrus that Dorian's like, I, I need to get my brother out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to peel off and do my own thing. Um, which opens the door for it's a, that one, that second one's a bit neater for him to eventually return at a later Mm -hmm. date also. Yeah. I agree with both of those hundred percent. I think that's how it would, B, um which they kind of he kind of hinted at that last night in last night's episode uh, i don't remember the exact context but he was basically there i think they were talking about you know his brother and all that heat and he was basically like you know i don't want anyone to get hurt because of me or helping you know my brother and he was saying that like at like at that point i would just leave so that you guys don't get hurt and everyone was like no like you know basically being there for him saying like you know we want to help you and everything but to me that was kind of like the first maybe seed of you know his departure potentially um right for the reasons you just said yeah which again he's amazing so it's just like the party we felt it when travis was waiting to rejoin the table i i think i think there will be a void whenever dorian leaves um because he he has a wholesomeness to him, his character. That's really, you know, he calls it fibbing. When he, they ask about the sending stone, he's like, I was thinking about fibbing. You know, it's so wholesome um, and so genuine, right? And at the same time, um, he's just a great character. I mean, such a great character. And Robbie plays him so well and collaborates so well with everyone else. I, I do think people are going are gonna to feel that when he's gone. Okay. R- Hopefully no me, time soon. Remind me about fibbing. In a second. I just don't want to forget. Okay. Um, but you make a great point about the void, which, you know, there's been a lot of guests throughout the years on Critical Role that were incredible, like amazing. So I don't want to like. It's it, but He's just been a little bit different in that he's been there from episode one. And I think now he's been in more episodes than any previous guest. So it's. And, but he, he is a guest, at least in all the forms they've kind of showed us so far but you're right it he feels i I just haven't i don't know i'm rambling here but i haven't thought about it in this light before you know because i've been i've accepted the fact that he's probably a guest but i haven't really thought about the fact that like when he leaves it's gonna feel like a main member of that party is gone which that's 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 new because no other guest has kind of had that yeah like permanent role like that so that's just that is gonna be weird i wonder if they even like thought about that when they were making this decision like maybe i i don't know if i would have had him be there from the jump if that was their plan like maybe come in in episode five and then you know i mean but maybe he is permanent and we just yeah i mean it could be i mean you know all you uh you know crazy cr fans out there i'm talking to you It, it could be that they were just being a bit tender with the whole subject and just didn't want to just bring someone in and ruffle feathers especially people who were like you know, this is not the table that I've, you know, grown up and grown up loving. 
um because people could be very particular mm -hmm. and so maybe they they brought him in under the guest title just to keep it a bit um softer and seeing the reception they're like hey yeah he's gonna be permanent which i hope that's the case um you know randomly this is such a mephisto moment but randomly i was thinking about when we were watching exu and there was all this back and forth on the crown and was dorian whose alignment actually shifted um because of the crown and you sent me the um the comic of the guy who has who basically says i have no fear and then someone walks up with the shirt that says um the cast of EXU are the big bad evil guys <laughs> of CR3 and the person's shirt, you know, or it changes to one fear then. And we we're like, I hope that doesn't happen. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Robbie also tweeted again, this is like the deepest of dives. Robbie also tweeted about how do you play evil characters and was like, you just, you just be a normal human being. And, oh, yeah. You know, and I won't, I won't get too much into that. Point that I'm getting at is it'd be crazy to me if he had to leave for, his brother, his kingdom, whatever, and eventually came back as an enemy or the big bad evil guy of the campaign. I mean, what would it hit harder than him being the enemy in that final episode? <laughs> All that he's been through with Orem, I mean, the party, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just Man, throwing what, it out there to let that simmer. What would even cause him to do that, though? Like, who knows, man? Maybe yeah, his that, brother that, dies and he wants to find an answer to bring him back. I don't know. That Buffy would be the Vampire crazy. style. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a gut punch. Ugh. Now, you heard it here. Me and Will agree that <laughs> this is... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dorian BBEG confirmed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, um, I've rambled enough about Dorian, but great character. Robbie Damon's amazing. I mean, seriously. Agreed. I actually have some more on Dorian, but yeah, go uh, ahead. <laughs> so, oh, I do too, and I like wheel in like a whiteboard, it's like a Pepe Sylvia moment. <laughs> All right, hit me with it. Okay, I actually have even another thing besides the thing I asked you to remind me about. Um, speaking of EXU, I just this is small, but I wanted to point it out. Uh, I don't remember the exact context, or but it, it was I think it was at the Spire by Fire. But Chetney was like, oh, what? You have some trauma from leaving someone behind or something to Dorian? And yeah. I was like, ooh. And like, for those, and like, maybe Travis wasn't referencing this, but I have to think he was. Some stuff from EXU that if you watch EXU, we know about. Um, All right, and before you even say this, he's referencing Bertrand, right? Oh, is that what he's referencing? I thought he's referencing, like, I guess you know, hey, you're supposed, you were supposed to like walk me into bed, but you didn't. And I, died i mean i'm assuming that's that that what, could he was, also... what he was prodding and joking about was like oh you got some trauma there like oh yeah he's dead so that would also connect so that also right, that's go, go ahead though and, but, no, so that it. makes more sense because i i feel like See, Travis... now you're gonna feel stupid saying it though so i should have yeah. waited i mean <laughs> what so, an idiot all right what's what so, yeah. you thought though but so i thought travis was referencing the whole like heat of the the relationship between dorian and fear arrive that he left her when they escaped that portal oh and man. like you know he was wrestling yeah. with that basically throughout the whole of exu and so when he said oh what you have trauma from leaving someone behind so that's what i thought he yeah, was talking that was, about and i was like damn yeah. that's like a deep cut travis yeah that was a major for those who didn't watch exu um it was a major point of tension between two of the players where one of the players was basically left to her own demise mm -hmm. um 
because of Robbie, because of Dorian doing what he thought was best for the party, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting for sure. So, and, but part of me was like, would Travis even know that? Like, I don't know. Did Travis like watch all of the HU and like have that ready to go? So I think the Bertrand thing probably makes more sense. Yeah. But, we'll, we'll go with Fear Rye. But yeah, I just thought that was I'll a cool connection. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, what's, the, what's the fibbing thing? The fibbing thing is uh, that moment you brought up with where he and Orm were talking and being like, you know, I thought about fibbing. This may be another thing I'm reading too much into, but, <laughs> but I liked that. because I, I love how I gave such like a disclaimer on me Mephistoing and like <laughs> you have your own and they all revolve. We must really like Dorian. So, all right. Sorry. How could I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, yeah. you're fine. Um, But to me, I, I read that as like, and we've talked about this a little bit too, like the depth of Orum and Dorian's relationship since they've had all of EXU and then basically a year since then to now. So they, they're like two of the most connected people on our whole party. Um, I like that they had that little moment where Dorian was like, you know, I thought about lying, um, but I didn't, I told the truth. And I thought that kind of spoke to his character also from stuff from EXU where he kind of, you know, was conversing with the spider queen and kind of the whole fear of right thing that we just talked about, but he had, a, he kept a lot of stuff like to himself. Um, so to me, I was like, this is a growth moment where he and Orm are like, you know, see, like I could have lied, but I told the truth here and it worked out like, you know, they weren't mad. So yeah. And go ahead. You no, know, I was just gonna say, I'm possibly reading way too much into that, but I liked that as like a depth of character moment. I, I, I like their, I just like their friendship. I mean, it's mm -hmm. great. Um, especially again, in EXU, um dorian and orum had some tension there um orum who just deliberately always wants to do the right thing and dorian who is a bit more um gray we haven't really seen that in cr3 or campaign three um but definitely was there in exu um but just their power their friendship um and that power of their honesty and transparency with one another i think is really great yeah um which you know if if Dorian dies, um, that would be two important people that Orem has seen die. Yeah. It's be interesting to see how that how that goes. Oof. So oof. <laughs> uh you ready for a segue? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk uh J H. Uh Gina Hexum? Is that right? Janai? Gianna, I think. Gianna. Janai. <laughs> Gianna Hexum. <laughs> Um, which by the way, the interpretation I got of the bid was my interpretation or the, the bet was it was Ashton's crew that she was referencing that burglary that she was being teased about from her colleagues you rather think than that just was the some, same one. I think so. Cause I mean, it could not be, it could be that JH, uh, that, that they, um, I already forgot Gianna. Gianna, yeah. <laughs> That Gianna Hexum's, um, you know, was just conveniently burglarized a couple of times, <laughs> but the line that that Matt delivered was something like, you know, when I was burglarized, as you're well aware of, or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, this bet has sort of ar arisen from my colleagues saying, like, you know, well, our defenses are so much better than yours. Um, so that's that's my interpretation of like where that the backstory there. Yeah. By the way. Uh, I was I had the same thought, but the reason I didn't think that it was the same one, which I thought it was kind of weird that she why is she getting robbed all the time? <laughs> um <laughs> was that 
wouldn't that have been a, a while, like a long time ago? Because that was, because didn't Ashton like run with that crew years ago? And so why would like a recent wager come up about a robbery that was years past? Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. I didn't really put the timeline together because we know Ashton's also, we know he's been in um, Dressar for a long time, for a while, longer than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may be right. It could be that this is just a, a yet another recent burglary and like the over the years being burglarized has caused her to be sort of like the brunt end of teasing and whatever from her colleagues. Yeah. Um, that does make a little bit more sense, I think, for Which- sure. I don't know that it's been years, though. I just, for some reason, I thought that. Like, it been years since he ran with that old crew and they all left. I had the impression that, that was, like, years ago. But maybe it was two weeks ago, for all we know. Which would be interesting, because it would mean, yeah, his new um, form is also pretty new. Yeah, and it would also mean that they haven't worked together that long, Ashton yeah. and Gianna. Which, it would but also it seems mean like they have a that... history. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but also... <laughs> That's the last one I got. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would seem like they haven't worked together for a long time. Which, did he give uh, Gianna the uh, the platinum, by the way? I don't think I don't think so. Because I remember that, okay. you know, Ashton was going there to, he mentioned yeah. that. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that actually happened. Um, but I, yeah, anyway, okay. I think I cut you off because I said the thing about that I didn't think it was the same robbery, but were you going somewhere? Like we were talking about the, the wager. No, no, you didn't. I, I was actually asking you like, Hey, do you think that was the case or not? Oh, okay. Um, it is interesting how their relationship is so transparent. Yeah. Um, I like, Im- I like that. Yeah. Even Imogen being like, can we trust this person? He's like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause I was wondering I that same thing. I was like, Whoa, you're telling him about, you're, you're telling her about Vali, like, because that's probably going to get that word about that incident's going to get around. And just like, is she yeah. not going to turn y'all in for that? Uh, because I'm like really writing this theory of um, doomed Lord Esteros, um, this could be their their next, like, the backup um, <laughs> yeah. noble character who sort of like isn't as giving as Lord Esteros, as like, you know, um, the crutch, but also can sort of like help them continue to stay involved in Drusar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like this, this quest in the heart more is either something that could happen many episodes from now, like when they're fully done with Drusar, or, you know, I think you mentioned even on our last video that maybe the events with Volley is going to create a lot of heat and they have to get out of town even in the next couple episodes. Yeah. Um, this could be like the next, the next angle for them. Um, which, I want to ask you, since you've seen the first two campaigns, how common does the party ever get like side missions and quests that they ultimately don't pursue? Like, is magic giving them options, or do they typically always like follow through with these things? Um, both. I mean, there's definitely things that don't get pursued. Just um, you know, which I think is kind of like just like real life, honestly. Like, you know, not everything you encounter is going to be something you pursue. Mm-hmm. So, um. I would say there's definitely things like that that are just left. And um, I don't think this would be one of them, though, especially with the connection to Dorian's brother. I think they will end up doing this no matter what. But on a grand scale, I would say that these types of things don't always get pursued. Yeah, okay. And then geography. Location of the Hartmore compared to Dressar. Um, 
Okay. Uh, that's what I was thinking too. It was like, I have no concept of yeah, location. You know, I'm Other... terrible at directions in real life. I'll <laughs> be yeah, yeah. Example. Well, and, and, Je- and Gianna even said like, you know, it's not quite rats outside of town. I mean, this would be a trip. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you also, does the party in previous campaigns, do they typically fast travel or um, like, would it like, could we, could next episode, could they say, yeah, we're going to take this mission. And then the, and then in the same episode be there. Or is the party a bit more, you know, yeah, for the next 10 episodes, we're traveling to the Hartmore and here's all the hijinks that happen on the way. Or is it another both situation? Um, both in the sense that they, the parties usually fast travel when they're higher leveled and have like spells that can teleport them or they have means. So like earlier, like until they have that, but Sorry, I'm going off on different things here. Until they have that, it'll be the slower travel, but it's not like it's going to take 15 episodes to get to somewhere far away. It might take a couple, but um, Matt like won't draw out dullness just for the sake of like mm-hmm. being accurate for, mm-hmm. oh, this was across the continent, so it's going to take us at yeah. least seven in, you know, in episodes yeah. of travel to do it. But no, like if they have horses, then... If, if all they have is horses, then that's what it's going to take. And it'll take, you know, them a couple weeks or however long it is. But then, you know, we could have the situation where Estros is like, hey, I'll let you use my airship. And so they could get their, you know, fast travel that way. Um, yeah, good point. But yeah, the, the long and the short of my answer to your question was it both. They usually progress on a yeah, linear okay. scale as they get more powerful with how fast they are traveling. Um, yeah. But on on Gianna again, really quick. I just I love I love their dynamic with the trust, and I I just am really interested in learning more about the the dyna- that dynamic. Uh, I have some assumptions, but really they're they're just that uh, some guesses rather, because um, we really don't know enough. But it's interesting to me that she, Gianna obviously like even though he talks about how she's mean, but honest, like she doesn't, she's not like a warm, caring person. Seemingly. I think she does have a soft spot for Ashton um, because, you know, could have just turned them into the authorities back in the day, but instead gave him the chance to work off this debt and has maintained this relationship with him where they are both completely open to each other, which seems like a dangerous thing to do, especially for like a noble. Um, I wonder if like she kind of views him as like a herself when she was younger or maybe like a surrogate child situation. Um, yeah, I I'm very interested in what I'd have going to see more there. between them. Um, it's, there's a couple things that are interesting to me. One Ashton, um, did a couple things. He went out of his way to protect her identity. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't even, wouldn't even let Imogen know, who the letter was right, from. Right. Um, feigned ignorance to Lord Esteros about the initials JH when he easily could have been like, yeah, it's this person. So didn't even want Lord Esteros who presumably has gained significant trust of the whole group. Um, but on the same token, it could, it now I back off from that of like this, um, you know, familial relationship to it being, uh, it could even be just ideal driven. Like Ashton mentioned, he's mentioned a few times. Um, you know, I don't, you know, it, I think when Lord Estros first said, Hey, don't tell people you're working for me. He was like, yeah, like, of course, like that is the right mm-hmm. way to do it. Right. Uh, and then to JH even said like, Hey, I don't talk about my clients. Mm-hmm. 
So it could be ideals driven. Um, I don't quite sense the relationship there yet in the sense of like how you described it. I, I see it more of the, and this is a bit more cliche or typical, the noble who wants to utilize someone of shady means mm. to advance and solidify their own power. I, I see it a, a bit more self-serving. Um, that makes sense. And, and also the way I drew on that too was whenever um, Ashton mentioned Volley, uh, it was totally like a, ooh, a good gossip session. Like what's like what's happening there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm eager to see more of the interactions to see what that relationship, relationship is like. Yeah. Um, I mean, can we assume that that uh, Gianna is the one who like blew off half his body? Yeah, I, I was wondering about that too because he just like felt a burst of magic hit him in the back or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe she has security, somebody that like wealthy and high to yeah. do, or maybe it was literally her and she's a spellcaster of some kind. Which, if it was her, that could also be playing into the fact of why you know maybe some part of her feels like guilty about sure you know yeah, seeing which, what happened to him yeah especially because yeah. he's 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 not a kid but it would have been young especially when that happened right so maybe she felt i don't yeah. know yeah yeah okay all right um so i was gonna segue do you i got one more thing and i yeah. know i'm probably waxing too poetic on this but i had another thought <laughs> at least from ashen's point of view so not really gianna's but from from Ashton's point of view, she kind of is like the most stable thing in his life, you know, because right. after that incident, his whole crew left town, abandoned him. And we again, we don't know exactly when that was. But since then, Gianna's probably been the the, the most constant thing yeah. for him, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And it's it's definitely why I'm interested to see the relationship continue to develop. Um, and. When I say segue, I didn't even really have anything to segue to. I'm just kind of getting the lay of the land of where we are after 10 episodes deep in mm-hmm. terms of like, and we did this with EXU um, kind of teasingly, but the <laughs> sort of like the plot threads, like where do we go from here? Like where does the story potentially go? Um, and I think in terms of like major points, I think we have Ira, uh, Ira Gurge, and I'm, I might even loop in Broomstone with that. that might, maybe that's unfair to do that. Maybe it should be its own separate thing. Uh, the Hartmore, um, Treshy House, and the Anger mm-hmm. are sort of the, the big four of, you know, they could all be related in some way. Well, the Hartmore's obviously not. Um, but we could, in the next few episodes, see the group be going down an entire story arc in one of these four ways. Yeah. Uh, not sure. Not really quite sure. Yeah. I, I'm actually I'm excited to find out more about any of them. I, the, like you mentioned, the Hartmore is kind of its own side, it's side quest, quest, if you yeah. will. But like, yeah. how ex- it's like Ocean's Eleven is how I how I yeah yeah it could be cool. It. It's like two rival gangs of thieves trying to steal something. Yeah yeah. So I I'm actually really excited for that, but obviously would be really happy if if one of those other paths were taken because that's what we've kind of been building up to at least thus far. Yeah. Um, well, do you have anything else you want to share on tonight's episode? Let me just take a really quick gander at the old notes, but I think we hit basically everything I wanted to uh, to touch on. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you have pretty much hit everything you wanted to. 
Oh, I, I did want to mention one last comment that I read. Um, I, it was just posted three hours ago. Uh, this came from Vested Lemon. Uh, I got the same impression that Ira has been responsible for, or at least connected to all the weirdness that's been going on. Also, the Nightmare King is definitely the leader of the Ivory Syndicate, right? Which, that's an interesting theory. Yeah, I think I said the same thing. <laughs> I think I responded to that. But uh, yeah, where, where have they been? You know, are they part yeah, yeah, yeah. of, are they part of yeah. this whole Ira thing? So yeah, that's, that's an interesting, interesting thought. I have nothing to say about it other than just like, ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, did you see anything else in your notes, by the oh, way? Yeah, there is one thing that I even wanted to say last week, but it happened again this week. The freaking set, man, with the rain. Oh, so yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So cool. And I so I wanted to say that. So I had to make sure. Yeah. Uh, that's very super cool. jealous of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old uh, D&D session, my house, is a bit lower. <laughs> Uh, lower, lower production design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as I set up two uh, fold-out tables with a with a sheet. Classic. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, if you guys are watching, definitely tell us what you thought about the episode down in the episode description below. Don't forget, you can check out uh, if you want if you prefer to to listen to our deep dives. You can check out the podcast, just the Pixelist podcast. It's on Spotify. It will be on uh, iTunes hopefully in the near future. And uh, other than that. Uh, you can follow us at the Pixelus. Will, I think we need to do our thumbnail. That's right. Um, we could just do our best, uh, Ira, whatever you want to do for that. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creepazoid. Yeah, yeah, hang on. All right. Also, my apo- I tried to mute every time, but I was coughing a lot this episode, so my apologies if any of those coughs came through. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. All right. Nice. I like the the blue orb. Yeah. You'd think it'd be an awesome D&D design item, but um it's an ornament that my kid pulled the top off of. So. <laughs> hey, improvise, adapt, overcome. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, uh that's it. See we you. We'll uh, see you guys next week. Yeah, take Bye. care.